G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. 2020, bringing a biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. Weekdays on UCB's Vision Radio Network. Find out more at vision.org.au. G'day, Matt G's here from 2020. Welcome to today's podcast. You can hear the full show every weekday on the Vision Radio Network in the West from 8, in the Central States from 9.30 and in the East from 10. On today's podcast, looking at marriage. You know, the debate has continued over whether marriage should be redefined to include same-sex marriage and yet somehow the debate seems a little shallow when it comes to the value of the traditional marriage model Christians are defending. And so on today's podcast, Vishal Mangawati, one of our modern world's significant philosophers, he's been described as one of the few original minds in the world. Our guest is with us to discuss not just marriage in an Australian context, but in the broader context of marriage around the world and throughout history. Vishal is speaking to our very own Neil Johnson. Vishal, the history that you have as a philosopher is that you are an Indian and that you have had an eye on Western culture. I wonder whether you can explain to us just quickly uh, that there is difference between East and West and uh, and how this ties in with what's happening around the world with marriage. Well, by 1850s, 60s, certainly by 1870s, Indian intellectuals had come to the conclusion that the West had a progress beyond India and civilizations such as China because of a peculiar idea of marriage that one man should have only one wife and this should be a lifelong and exclusive relationship. It was this which empowered women and empowered children. And as women and children became strong, men became stronger, economies and nations came strong. Now, this was something that uh, Alexis de Tocqueville had pointed out with reference to America in 1831-32 when he wrote his book, Democracy in America, that America was becoming stronger than European nations such as France because in the United States of America, the biblical ideal of marriage had been best realized. So, he, he, in those two volumes, he describes how America is becoming better than Europe and then raises the question that if you ask me what is the chief uh, cause of this extraordinary prosperity and power of the United States of America, my answer is it is due to the superiority of their women. America is greater than France because American women are greater not genetically, not because of their genes or DNA, but because the institution of family. America is still the only country in the world where if a candidate for presidency has been sleeping with a model or been unfaithful to his wife, he will be out of the race. And this, an American president always goes out of his way to express his love for his wife. You know, president Obama 
uh, takes real pain to show that, which is a wonderful thing uh, because in, particularly in uh, African-American community, the marital fidelity has been a, a problem. Too many abandoned children, too many abandoned women uh, is the root of the problem here. So Indian thinkers by 1850 had begun to agree that Hinduism was uh, more liberal than Islam. Islam allowed four wives. Uh, Hindus had no such limit. Uh, one of our gods, Krishna, for example, had 16,000 wives, and none of his wives is worshipped but his consort, a mistress, is worshipped. And that's true of most of our gods and goddesses, like Shiva and Parvati. You see their pictures. Uh, Parvati is not his wife. She's his mistress, his girlfriend. And so Hinduism traditionally was much liberal, but the Indian thinkers began to realize that if India has to develop progress, it has to accept a biblical idea of marriage, that God created one man for two of them to be permanently one. This is God's ideal, and this is what would liberate the women. Vishal, when it comes to marriage, I know you like to connect marriage, church, and state. What is the glue that holds those three together? Well, the future of Western civilization hangs on a very simple question, whether the West, which I'm, in which I'm including Australia, will be uh, renewed or disintegrate. The question is, who, who invented the church? Who invented the nation-state? Did man invent marriage, the church, and the state? Or are these divine institutions? If man invented marriage, then of course man can redefine it. If my marriage, my family is my idea, then my, my wife is difficult, I can leave her. Or if her husband is difficult, she can leave him. If church is human idea, then it is fine for a state like Putin is trying to do in Russia right now for the state to control the church. But the churches that are going for ordaining gays and lesbians and for marrying gays and lesbians, if they decide that marriage is a human invention and therefore man can redefine it, they will soon find the state is saying that, in fact, the church is a human invention, and therefore the state can control it. So that, uh, and I'll come back to it in a minute. Why having uh, inter this independent or autonomous institution between the individual and the state, which includes the church, are so crucial for very definition of what it means to build a free society. But if church is a human institution invented by men, who invented the nation-state? Uh, the secularists who have been destroying the idea of the nation, they believe, of course, that man invited, invented the nation. If nation is a human invention, why sh there is no moral reason why anybody should love the nation, why anyone should pay taxes, or why anyone should give life, his life for the nation. Uh, the Western nations became greater than our nations because, the, uh, according to the Bible, 
God invented the nation. He invented family before the fall in the Garden of Eden when he brought Eve to Adam. But he invented nation after the fall, particularly in Genesis chapter 11, after the fall of the Tower of Babel. If nation is God's invention, God says in chapter 12 of Genesis to Abraham that I will make you a great nation. Paul says in Acts 17 that out of one man, God created all the nations of the world and set their boundaries and times. So nations are not absolute, but under God's sovereignty and because of the result, uh, because of humans fall into sin, God has divided us into linguistic nation states, which became geographic and political nation states. And if this aspect of divine uh, authority, uh, sacredness behind the nation state goes, there is no reason for a multinational company in Australia to pay taxes to Australian government if that company believes that the politicians are corrupt, bureaucrats are corrupt, and also fools. Uh, it is simply foolish. So the West, Western nations became strong because West, the people in the West, even if they were seculars, they paid taxes. But in our countries, India has one of the world's largest black economy, which is the tax-evaded economy, because if state is a human invention, there is no reason to honor the prime minister or the government to obey the magistrate if you can get away from disobeying and if you can get away from paying taxes. So uh, what will happen is that as this idea that marriage, church, and state are human invention gains ground, then uh, you will suddenly find that uh, the culture has changed and people, particularly those who are working across national boundaries and making money across national boundaries, the multinational companies, they will be keeping their money in foreign banks and secret accounts and not paying their taxes. And there are other dimensions to it. The whole value in Australia that government must be respected, government must be obeyed, taxes must be paid, uh, we must give our lives for our nation. These values depend on the idea that nations are God's invention. And that's the issue in marriage. And I come back to it, that the quality of marriage is an important issue, more important issue in some ways than gay marriage, because the reason for divorce, the reason for separation, and the reason for a lot of people not choosing not to marry is because they believe that marriage is human invention, marriage is difficult, therefore it's not worth it. What you're saying is that marriage under attack with a push to redefine it is the thin end of the wedge. What would be following that would be not only the dismantling of marriage, the dismantling of church and the dismantling of state, and therefore what you're talking about is a demise of Western civilization. Vishal, in Australia, divorce has become easier over the previous decades, and it appears to be that people these days are not being married in a church context. 
there is a separation of what people think of as marriage from what we might understand as a biblical definition. Is that a concern? It's a major concern because, as I said, the fundamental issue is whose idea is marriage? Is it monkeys don't marry, dogs don't marry. Um, uh, Just recently, uh, last week, this week, uh, a producer in Hollywood make a public, made a public statement that there is no reason why if a brother and a sister love each other, they should not conjugate their love, that they should not have sexual relationship. The incest is a foolish idea because all the animals, you know, dog has kids, uh, female dog, male and female, and the brother and sister mate. Um, so if, if they love each other, they're not hurting anybody, as long as they don't have babies, of course. Babies can get hurt um, for medical reasons, but now with all the availability of contraceptives, that's not an issue. So why shouldn't um, brother and sister have sex? If sex is about pleasure, if marriage is a human invention, uh the reality is that no culture in history has ever demanded that one man should have only one wife for all of his life and that, that this should be an exclusive relationship. No mistress, no girlfriend, no second wife, no divorce, no separation. Now, this is not a Muslim idea. Muhammad had 13 wives, sex slaves, and concubines. He allowed four to his followers. Israel, the Jews, uh, had freedom. Um, Israel, Jacob, had 12 boys and some girls through four different women. Uh, And Hindus, as I said in the previous segment, uh, had no such limitations. So uh, Hindus, Jews, Muslims, secularists have never believed in the idea that one man should have only one wife and sexual relationships should be only with uh, your wife, spouse. Uh, This is a peculiarly biblical idea. Uh, Jesus rooted it in the original creation that God made one woman for a man and two of them to be one flesh and therefore separation, not just divorce, but separation is wrong. Paul makes that statement very strongly in 1 Corinthians 7, that husband and wife should not separate except with mutual consent for prayer. Uh, he says that this is the Lord's command. So uh, the, the Christian cultures have compromised a lot because marriage is difficult. It is impossible. Uh, when the Jews say to Jesus that, look, Moses allowed us to divorce our wives, Jesus said, of course he did, because of the hardness of your heart. Moses had no remedy for the hardness of your heart, but I have come to change your heart. I'm going to give you the ability to love as God loves his bride. You know, when I have a problem with my wife, and uh, God says to me, husbands, love your wife, my typical response is, Lord, look at the wife you gave me. And he says, no, 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 don't look at the wife I gave you. You look at the wife I gave to my son, the bride I gave to my son, Jesus. 
And that is the church, full of wrinkles, spots, blemishes. That's you. I gave you to be bride. And Jesus loves you so much that he washes you, cleanses you, purifies you, makes you beautiful through his blood. Now, that's the kind of heart I'm going to give you to be like Christ. So husbands, love your wives as Jesus loved the church. Now, if this divine framework for marriage isn't there, even so-called Christians, pastors, they cannot really sustain marriage because the problem of marriage is very simple, that every girl thinks that she is marrying her lover, and her lover is the best person in the world. And then she finds out, as my wife did, that she has actually married a sinner who is also a fool. So the human problem is, how can two sinners live together happily ever after? It's not possible in the flesh. Therefore, love is a fruit of the Spirit. Christian marriage cannot work unless we are willing to accept the cross, die to ourselves, and be resurrected in the Spirit of God to understand that love is not chemistry. Love is a fruit of the Spirit. And if this Christian framework says God invented marriage, we've got to go back to God, find grace with Him, because the problem is that the Western Church, so much of the Western Church, has accepted secular view of marriage rather than what Martin Luther, who really is the father of modern marriage, uh, Protestant marriage, but also for the whole world, uh, it's Martin Luther's ideas of marriage which have shaped the last 450 uh, years of Western civilization and much of the world. And his emphasis was that marriage is the school of character. Uh, if you get out of that school, your character will never be refined, uh, will never be shaped. So you've got to stay in the school. It's a tough school. But the purpose of marriage then becomes refinement of human character, that we become more like Christ. We become more like God. And unless we come back to assert, asserting that the Christian idea of marriage is not a natural idea, it is a supernatural idea. It cannot be practiced naturally. It requires supernatural grace. It requires the Holy Spirit. That really is the battle. Uh, many Christians are trying to fight for the traditional marriage on the basis of common sense, but this Christian marriage is not a common sense idea. The common sense idea is that it's very difficult to love my wife it's so much easier to love my neighbor's wife. She's nice to me. My own wife is very difficult. That's the reality of who we are as fallen sinners. And uh, therefore, Christian marriage can only work if we choose to die to ourselves and be raised, resurrected in the Spirit of God and are continually seeking the Spirit of God uh, because love is the fruit of the Spirit. Marriage is an important institution for the whole of Western civilization. 
And the challenge there is to rediscover the Christian foundations of marriage, which has been what has given Western civilization its strength. I'll point people, Vishal, to the website www.revelationmovement.com. That's where they can get some more detail uh, about Vishal Mangalwadi, who's been our guest today. And Vishal, I hope we can talk again very soon. Thank you so much for being with us today on 2020. Thank you. I do have two chapters on family and marriage in my books, Truth and Transformation, and also the book that made your world. And there is a video in the series, Must the Sunset on the West? Uh, this, uh, the video is called uh, From Martin Luther's Vicarage to Hugh Hefner's Harem, uh, Turning Men into Boys and Women into Desperate Housewives. Uh, that's the decline of the Western civilization. But thank you for your uh, show, which is seeking to renew the West and Australia. Like what you've just heard? There's more great podcasts. Or you can listen to us live at vision.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener supported. Your donation of any amount will help us continue connecting faith to life. Learn more or donate today at vision.org.au.